can take a seat. Take a seat. Take a seat. It's great to be here. Fantastic. Um, great things are happening everywhere. We've got props happening everywhere. All sorts of things. Uh, you might have, I had, as I came in this morning, someone said to me, "Have I come into a wedding?" And I said, "Well, kind of." Kind of. Do you even Bible is where we take the time to, I guess, really delve into some of the, um, the, the stories of the Bible and get right into um, how we can uh, really get to know God more through the way that Jesus interacted with people in a lot of different settings. And so today we're going to be reading from John chapter 2, um, where Jesus um, was a party crusher. He was a party crusher at a wedding. And it just seems that wherever Jesus is going, he's either like throwing a party uh, deciding to say to someone, we're going to have a party at your place, or look, there's a wedding, let's rock up. So Jesus is eating, he's drinking, so much so that people called him uh, a drunkard and, uh, and, and a glutton. Now he wasn't, but yet he was hanging out with people, enjoying life, celebrating with them so much that they ended up... So, so Jesus is not distant, trying to throw rules at people. He's close doing life with people, wanting to actually lead people to life. Now, this is a great thing for us because we get to be able to... We can, we can do that. There's a range of things that Jesus did. Now, because he's the son of God, he's got a slight advantage. But you can have dinner with someone. You can go to a wedding. How good is that? How fantastic. The Dodgers, how long until your wedding? Two weeks. Let's give this couple a clap. Brilliant couple. Luke and Catherine. I said the Dodgers. They're not quite the Dodgers yet. So close. So close until that signature changes. Um, and so, so you, but you can do that. You can hang with people. You can be a friend. You can hang out and you can eat in Jesus' name. What a great thing. Who likes eating? Like there's some of us, maybe you're like me and you like eating just a little bit too much. Um, I work out on a regular basis and I think it's only to counteract my overeating habit. I think that's the, I think that's the only reason why I work out. But I'm enjoying both. So let's just go for it. Let's just roll with that. Um, and so as we dig into, we're going to get to John chapter 2 in just a second. But I want to let you know um, the, the key reason um, that we do um, a lot of what we do on Sundays is that people would know God. And that's on two different, uh, two different very significant angles. Number one is that you know that you can bring a friend any Sunday. That every Sunday is a great opportunity to bring someone to Good Life Church. And so what we're going to talk through is how to know God. We're going to go to the Scriptures and say, God, help us uh, to take yet another step closer to knowing you. And so there'll be people that you could bring to church that have never darkened the doors of a church. They've never considered Christ. The only Christian they know might be you, and you could bring them along. And people could go, right, this God is pretty cool. This God, this God works. This God loves me despite all this. And so that people that have never taken a step towards God could know God. The end result of that is across uh, all of our four campuses of Good Life Church, hundreds of people have said yes to Jesus. Hundreds of people, over 300 people this year alone have said yes to Jesus, which is absolutely fantastic. What that does is it creates a, it creates a workload. It creates a workload for connect group leaders and pastors. So all the pastors, I don't know if you've noticed, but the pastors along the front row, well, the O'Briens aren't pastors, but they're still going gray. Um, but like other reasons for that. But you look at them, they're, they're all going gray. Jace is losing his hair. Um, it's, 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 hard, it's a hard job. You're creating work for my pastors and connect group leaders for the people that come along and say yes to Jesus to go, okay, let's now do the journey with you. What we want to do is continue the journey. You've said yes. You put your hand up to say yes to Jesus to know God. But who knows that it doesn't stop there? 
It's a continual growth. It's a continual step. It's a continual, oh, that's the God of love. Okay, now I need to show that love. Oh, the God of mercy. I need to show that mercy. It's the God of grace. I need to show some grace. The God of forgiveness. I need to show some forgiveness. And the more you know about God, the more that you know how to then project and to show that light and that life to other people. And so knowing God doesn't just finish with a yes to Jesus. It's a continual walk with God. His mercies in you every single day. And so we want to make sure that on a Sunday, that's our big focus, that people would know God. So every Sunday, there's an opportunity for people to respond to Jesus for the first time or make a rededication, a recommitment. At the end of this service, there'll be room for you. If you're thinking, well, maybe I do need that God in my heart, that brilliant Jesus who lived and died for me, I would like to live for him. I would like to have him in my heart. I'd like to have my eternity assured in heaven. What a great deal. You could say yes to Jesus today. But if you're thinking, you know what? I've already got Jesus in my heart today. Here's my prayer. That every Sunday that you would say, I'm going to take another step to knowing God more that I could then shine him more to my family, my friends, my workplace, and my community. Um, There's a theme in the Bible that talks about um, the four things of the growth of a Christian to be that person that doesn't just know God, but then continues to grow in discipleship. And it's really unpacked well in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 18. It'll come up on the big novelty Bible behind me. This is Paul talking to a church that he loves. He's planted this church in a town called Ephesus, sends back a letter, and in the letter includes these words, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. What a great prayer. What a brilliant prayer. And that's the prayer of, uh, of, of myself and my gorgeous wife. She's uh, ministering today at Toronto and our Maitland campuses. And uh, so she sends her love. But that's our prayer for you. That's our prayer every day for every good lifer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Like I said, that's for the first time knowing him, but that's also for people to continue to know him, to become intimate, let God inside of their heart and then start to uh, allow God to uh, lead and guide them in the way that we live, the way that we do family, the way that we do words, the way that we do our thought life, the way that we actually live out this life is so we may know him better. It's the first step. We want people to know God. But it goes on. He says, I keep on praying that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. We want people to find freedom. I found that when I came out from the world, if I came out from sin, um, what happened is I stepped into knowing God and there was still a fair bit that followed me. Am I the only person that followed that kind of pattern? Bruce Mudford is nodding his head. Yeah, no, 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 I know you, Bruce. There's still some hanging around you. So, um, <laughs> so Judy told me all about it this week. Anyway, so, joking, um, but I do know. Um, so, so we're taking these steps towards God, but I need to find freedom. And so what God does, He doesn't leave us alone. He puts us within uh, connection and community. And people can choose isolation or you can choose realizing, hey, look, you confess these sins to God. He's faithful and just to forgive you of those sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. But you get healed, the Bible says, when you confess these sins to one another and pray for each other. It's in having people that know you and that you know them that healing actually happens, that you could find freedom. Why? Because people are saying, hey, look, you're better than that. You can do better than that. You don't have to be so isolated. You don't have to be so grumpy. You don't have to be so fearful. You don't have to be so critical. Come on, you're better than that. And so we help each other out to find freedom in community. 
And so that's why we do connect groups at Good Life Church. If you keep on going, Paul keeps on praying, not just that your heart may be enlightened, but it's in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And that hope to which he has called you is your purpose of why God puts you on the planet. There's two great days in a person's life. The day that you're born and the day that you find out why. And we want to help you find out why. That's why, I guarantee you, Christina O'Brien's going to be back up on the platform. She's going to mention something called growth track. She's going to bang on about growth track. Oh, you should go to growth track, go to growth track, go to growth track. I'm like, Christina, I've had enough. She's had enough as well. But why would she say that over and over? Why? Because we want people to be able to find their part to play. That you would uh, discover your purpose on the planet and to be able to outwork it. And that'll have two applications, outside the four walls of the church and inside the four walls of the church. I don't do one or the other. I might lean more heavily to the outside of the four walls of the church. There'll be people that lean more heavily towards the inside. But the truth is we both have an, all of us have an aspect of both. So you want to discover your purpose, and then you want to uh, realize He's called you the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people, so that we together can make a difference. But every Sunday, we want you to know God. And there's two, there's two types when it comes to that. There's the type of those that are um, realizing, hey, look, I want to bring someone to know God for the first time. Every one of those lights represents someone who said yes to Jesus. And we celebrate that every single week. People that have gone from from darkness to light. They've gone from death to life. The truth is that that is our great heart. But we don't just want to make Sundays just about people coming to Jesus for the first time. It's about that we're coming to Jesus every day. I want to know God. I want to grow in Him. I want to go from strength to strength, glory to glory. And therefore, we start with this whole scripture in John chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. And uh, I'm going to read this, and then we're going to unpack it and have a bit of fun. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. This is quite the party. When the wine was gone, everyone say, oh. (laughs) Oh. Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Everyone say, boo. Woman, why did you invite? People are like, ooh, are we allowed to do that in church? The wine is gone. Is that a good thing or a bad Anyway. Woman, uh, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? I would not suggest you talk to your mother like that. I was preaching this same message at our Foster Tongue Curry campus last week. I had my mother in the, in, the, in, the, in the auditorium. She was in the crowd. My mother is disabled since I was five years old. She's, had a, like, she's not quick. She, you can't, like, as a kid, if I did something wrong, like, she couldn't catch me. But if she did catch me, because she's disabled, she'd have weapons. She, she had weapons. I know. I'd cop the stick. That's a, it was a pretty hefty stick as well. Anyway, whoa. I would not suggest you start that word, start this conversation like that. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. So they've come for a wedding, so everyone kind of washes their feet as they come in. This is the water that was used, and the jars are now empty because they've used it, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Uh, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, 
then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. Um, this is an interesting story. And I, I do need to address really quickly the topic of alcohol. Now, some people would say that Jesus turned the water into grape juice. And to do that, you've got to read the Bible terribly. Um, it's the, it, this is wine. So Jesus turned water into wine. There's been a bunch of, um, bunch of Christians who tried to turn that wine back into grape juice for many years. Now, here's what I want to say. Is alcohol is an inanimate object. It has no soul. But if you have an area of addiction in your life, if you have a soul that leads towards addiction, I would steer clear of it. The Bible gives room to drink and not to drink, but it never gives room to get drunk. That is an area where our souls then attach to a need to get drunk. And it shows a, a hole in the soul. So I would suggest, and in this room, you've got, you've got recovering alcoholics, you've got people that have been dry for weeks, months, years. I would suggest don't touch it because you know that with one touch, it doesn't stop just with one drink. But the issue is, at this point, when it comes to alcohol, we've got to realize um, that Jesus actually says it's okay to drink. Right? It's actually okay in the Bible to have a drink. Now to drink... <laughs> There's a lawyer. Uh, anyway, um, do I have any engineers out there? <laughs> oh, okay. Let's check the... Well, I don't know if we've got Pinot Noir here, but um, there's probably some Shiraz I'd suggest. <laughs> um, but the deal is not... The deal is not in regards to the inanimate object. It's in regards to the soul. And the Bible says it's not, there's no room to get drunk. And there's a range of reasons why, which I don't have time to unpack. But one of the worst things when it comes to alcohol with Christians um, is the fact that we don't know why we do what we do or don't know why we don't do what we don't do or what the Bible says about it. I've seen Christians that don't drink judge those that do. I've seen Christians that do drink judge those that don't. And I think the Bible's very clear about that. Bible does give room, but also says, hey, look, if you can't stop getting drunk, then you have got an issue with your soul. If you get drunk, you've got an issue with your soul. That is, you know, I just unpacked that whole deal about finding freedom. You do it in community. That's when someone says, hey, you've got a problem here. Can I help you? No, I'm not judging you. Bringing up an issue is not judgment. Bringing up an issue is love and support and care for the person who needs a friend at that point in time. And so that's what we want to do. Pointing out issues is not judgment, no matter what you see on Facebook. So, we've covered the alcohol thing. And so, now we go into the story about Jesus at the wedding. So, third day, wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. I need Jesus' mother. Do we have a Mary? I need a volunteer. Oh, let's give it up for Mary. What? <laughs> What a, what, a, what a lovely shawl you have there, Mary, looking um, Maryish. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples. I, need, I at least need a Jesus. Do I have a Jesus? Let's give it up for Jesus. <laughs> looking quite Christ-like. Um, Jesus, although, has some budget cuts. The, uh, he needs an update in the jeans but, um, but, uh, and, and could do with some R.M. Williams. There's definitely been some budget cuts. 
when it comes to Jesus. But look, your hair has grown a lot since last year that you came to the Good Life platform. Yes, quite a lovely beard you have there. Now, um, it does say that Jesus and his disciples had also been invited. But look, because of budget cuts and because of the size of the stage, we're just going with Mary and Jesus. Is that okay? Can you roll with me on that? Okay. Been invited to the wedding. So this is lovely because like mother and son hanging out again. G'day, how you doing? How's the ministry going? How's the, you've been on the, you've been carpet, you've been doing the carpentry job. How's that going, Jesus? My, those forearms are looking big. Uh, <laughs> did you work out this morning? Yeah, maybe you did. Um, lifting some heavy weights. Okay, sure. So now, now Mary, they're having a chit chat and then all of a sudden Mary realizes the wine's gone. They've drunk all the wine. And um, so Mary's like, what are we going to do? And so um, she turns to Jesus and says, they have no more wine. Jesus replies with, woman. (laughs) Why do you involve me? (laughs) Double handed. Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. The non-verbals are just the best, aren't they? Um, <clears throat> budget cuts, we're not going to let them speak either. His mother said to the servants, Mary, where's your servants? We need some servants. Do we have some servants? We have some servants. Let's give it up for the servants. Thank you, servants. Um, this is James and Nat. Everyone here, these guys are part of the, um, uh, the Maitland campus. Also, Jesus comes from Maitland campus, but we're going to keep his identity secret for a little while. Um, but James and Nat are one of the team that are heading to Auckland when we plant the church early next year. We wanted to keep them, but they wanted to hang out with the Salvinis for a little bit longer, so we've sent them over. It's all good, actually. They said they felt God lead their heart. They're happy to hang with the Salvinis, but it was more about God doing something. Is that true? You like the Salvinis, though? Okay, sure. <laughs> That's actually quite convenient. Um, okay, so we've got some servants here now, Mary. Um, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Right? <laughs> Stop right there. Here's one of the key things. When it comes to this scripture, in regards to us knowing God and being able to outwork some stuff, um, Mary was very clear in regards to these guys as servants. Just do whatever he says. The interesting thing in this world is there is some contentious topics that are in the Bible. There are some contentious topics, and Mary knows, here's the deal. If you want to follow Jesus, you want to live this Jesus life, just do what he says. Don't mince it with common philosophies. Don't mince it with the way that the world sees the topic that's right in front of you. Don't, don't mash it up, and don't try to blend these... Just do, what, just do what he says. Just do what the Word of God says. It's going to be best for you. It's going to be best for everyone. Are you going to read this? Are you going to, are you going to actually take it in? Are you going to actually live this out? Are you going to stand for righteousness? She makes it very clear. Are you willing to be obedient? You know, in another part of the Scriptures, there's, there's a guy, there's two guys, they build their houses upon two very different foundations. One was rock, and when storms came, the building stood, stood firm. So your life is the building that sits upon a foundation. And if you build it upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word, I can't really hold my phone, but you've got, you understand, I've got the, the Bible in the phone right here. But the deal is, if you build on the Word of God and all of it, 
then storms will come and when they come, you'll stand. Here's the other option. You'll build, the other guy built his house upon sand. What is sand but particles of rock? And there's too many Christians trying to fit and jam in the world system with the word and realizing on, on particles of rock, on the particles of the truth that you like, we're going to build upon that. When storms come, your faith crumbles. And that crumbling is actually detrimental to you, to your family, to people around you, and anyone watching on to see if that faith of yours is real. And so Mary makes it very clear, hey, you, just do what he says. Make it real, make, make it clear, make it obvious. And I like this because I find in my heart a tendency towards being naughty. I've got my own weak points and I've got my own distractions and I've got my own strengths. So there's areas that I go, this is not easy to go, okay, the Bible says that. You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what the Bible says. It's difficult. And that's why I've got people in my world that are always challenging me. And this is what discipleship's all about. We don't do it alone. Is that we've got people that can encourage us to go, hey, look, you could do better with that area. Come on, you could do better as a husband. You could do better as a dad. You could do better as a, hey, look, in this area, you could be stronger. Hey, look, you've allowed that weakness to come in. And I've got to listen to it and go, you know what? The Word of God says that that's true. And I find it difficult, but the truth be told, this is exactly what I need to hear. Everyone's got their tendency towards some form of weak point or some form of, I just want to do what I want to do and not exactly what Jesus says. So we've got servants. Mary says, do whatever he says. Um, and nearby stood six stone water jars. Now, because of budget cuts, we've only got one. Actually, because to, like, to ferry up six of them is going to be difficult. We've only got two servants, right? So we've got one. We've got a stone water jar, and it's not a stone water jar. It's a Kmart tub. The tub we got from Kmart. It's Christmas colored and all. Hey, hey, hey. Spent an extra dollar on that. Um, the kind that we use by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons, about 100 liters. 25 gallons, about 100 liters. Jesus said to the servants, That's you. You tell them, fill the jars with the water. Do it. Okay. <laughs> So they filled them to the brim. So if you can go and do that, servants, that'd be fantastic. Off you go. Um, you get to stay for a little bit longer, Jesus, actually. So they, they had to go and, now they said they had to go and fill the jars with the water, so they filled them to the brim. Now, because they're not the strongest, if they come from Maitland, they're just going to fill it to half. You okay with that? Now, here's the interesting thing. When it comes to the whole thought of Jesus telling the guys to use water jars, the water jars were ordinary. They were just lying around. I love it that Jesus uses the ordinary. He, doesn't, he rarely uses the extraordinary. Now, what I find is that Jesus uses the ordinary and turns ordinary into extraordinary. He shows off through people like you and me. It's rare that he uses extraordinary. I don't know if you've realized over the last couple of weeks, there's an album by Kanye West. Now, that is extraordinary. Now, if you're wondering who Kanye West is, I'm just going to let you know he's the Bob Dylan of these days. He's the, he's the, he's the crazy, well-known artist. Now, he's a rap artist, so you and I really don't care about it. But, but really, 
Now, I do now because I'm like, I was so intrigued. I'm like, I want to see if this guy's actually saved. This guy has had a life change, a life turnaround. But God doesn't often use the extraordinary, the ones that are bright and shiny. He often uses people that are ordinary and turns them into extraordinary because people look at you and go, oh, you're not that good. That's the whole point. It is the whole point that Jesus takes ordinary. He says to servants, hey, get the water jar. It's just lying around. It's done its use. Everyone else would just discard that. And that's what God does with you. And he does it with me. Does it. And he picks a Nehemiah and Hezzy. Picks an Azengale. Picks the Kale family. Picks Dan Ackley. Just good people. Ordinary people. Picks Mark and Jeanette Avery. People that are willing to be used by God and just say, here I am. I'm not extraordinary, but what I've got, I'm willing to be used by God. I'm willing to be the best that I can at what you call me to do, and I'm willing to make sure that my best today becomes better tomorrow because I'm going to continue to know God and walk that out. God often uses the ordinary, not the extraordinary. And then Jesus says to the guys, go and fill it, bring it to, fill it to the brim, and he told them, now draw some out. We get it. They better come back by now. Now draw some out. So where's the servants? Can you bring it back? We filled it up. They come. Don't trip. We've got a trip hazard there. It's good. Fantastic. And they come. Let's give it up for the servants doing a great job. So they haven't filled to the brim. That's okay. And um, so Jesus says, "You can go now, Jesus. I'll just cover it for you." Um, so this is filled with water, right? Can you show us? So filled with water. And uh, just pour it out again. Then Jesus says to the servant, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. Mm. I know. I know, right? Yes, it is. It's Shiraz. Now, Jesus says, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. We need a master of the banquet. <laughs> Youth pastor's not allowed. Lawyer's not allowed either. Quiet at the back. Can I have a master of the banquet? Oh, look at this. Looking sharp, master of the banquet. Look at you. You brush up all right. <laughs> you kind of look like a servant, but with a jacket on. Anyway, um, so we told them, now draw some out and take it to the master. Could you, could you take that to the master? They did so. The master tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Is it all right? Not bad? Is it grape juice? No. Okay. Is this a good life function? <laughs> That's one. Shiraz? Jacob's Creek. I don't know. What do you reckon? It's good stuff. Is it the best one? Yes, it is. Yeah, okay, sure. Okay, you can take that one back again. This is actually one. 
Jesus turned the water into wine, took it to the guy at the master of the banquet. The master of the banquet tasted the water, being turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Could you imagine the servants? This is wild. If I'm obedient and I, and I use the things of God, God says, take the ordinary things and give it a shot. Will, you just, will we be the kinds of Christians that go, you know what, in the ordinary things of life, I'm willing to be used by God. In my going to work, in my communication um, online, in my communication with friends and family, I'm willing to be used by God. In every area, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to be part of a connect group. I want to grow in those areas. And I want that growth to be taken into every arena of my life. Am I willing to let the ordinary things of my day-to-day, weak life, the mundane, the brilliant, the hard, the stuff you've got to be disciplined for and go, God, will you actually do that? And God is able when we do that to turn what we give him, which is just water, and turn it into wine. And not just wine, but the best wine. He called the, so what happens, he did not realize where it had come from. Then he called the bridegroom aside. Well, we need, we need the bride and bridegroom. Can we have a bride and bridegroom, please? They can come through. And we've got a seat for you over here, bride and bridegroom. Let's give it up for the bride and bridegroom. Looking lovely. <laughs> so... Now, what you have to do is you want to, um, you want to have to, uh, where are we? He called the bridegroom aside. He called the bridegroom aside. Bridegroom over here. Come, 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 come. Has a bit of a chat. He said, everyone, normally, this is what happens normally at a wedding. Everyone brings out, like, the good wine first. And then when they've had a few, you can kind of bring out the cheap stuff later. And people really don't notice it. But here's the deal. We've been drinking for a while. I thought we were out of wine. And then this stuff rocks up. This stuff is the best. This is amazing. Bridegroom, I can't believe how good this wine is. Like you are the man. (laughs) You are the kind of guy who saves the best till last. Bridegroom's thinking, this is good. This is a good start to my marriage. Fantastic. Let's give it up for these guys. Now, sorry. Uh, groom, I need you to go and take a seat. Master of the banquet, you can, you can head off. We're fine. Here's the two big takeaways. When it comes to this, um, is that Jesus turning water into wine? had a couple of things for it. First of all, Jesus wants to let these guys know, I'm going to take care of you. You've stepped out. You've done what you thought was the best you could do. You've stepped out in faith. You put on a party for your friends and the resources ran out. Jesus says, I got you. He wants you to know that if you step out for him, as an ordinary person just doing your best, if you give it your best shot and you do it for him and you do it in him, He goes, the resources you think when they run out, he goes, I've got you. You can step out in faith. You can face that person at your work that you're struggling to face. You can face that health crisis. 
And Jesus says, I've got you. When you think that you've run out of energy, he goes, I've got you. I've got energy that you can't manufacture just of normal human methods. He goes, I've got you. When you run out, I can turn the water into wine. I can, what you offer. He doesn't do it with nothing. He does it with something. He does it with water, but he turns it not just into wine, but he turns it into the best wine. And when Jesus turns this into the best wine, here's the interesting thing. This is not cheap wine. We did a little bit of a Google research on on best wine. Now, let me just check this out. There were 25 gallons in each of these big jars. That's 3.785 liters in a gallon. And that means... The average wine bottle being 750 mils would mean that in each, that, that there's um, 126 wine bottles in each one of these jars. Knowing there's six jars of water that got turned into wine, that's actually 757 bottles of wine. Right, so, and if it was the best wine, then we've got to look at how much that wine would cost because Jesus wants these guys to know, you can't drink all that wine at the party. They're done. They don't want to get drunk. They want to live a life that's honoring God. And so they're going to get to the end. There's going to be a lot of wine left over. And Jesus wants these guys to know, for your future and for your life, I've got you. I've got the resources for you. The wine represents that God is there for you at every step, at every point of the way. It was the best wine. I went to the Dan Murphy's website. I found a, um, a bottle of Penfold's Cabernet Sauvignon. It was quality wine, $360 a bottle. Over 757 bottles of wine, that is an investment into this couple of $272,520. But we found a Penfolds Grange bottle of wine for $779. Over 757 bottles of wine, it's an investment into this couple for their future at current prices, let alone if it matures of $589,703. But wait, there's more. If you buy in the next, no. The most expensive bottle of wine ever sold. Notice that before Jesus, this was called the best wine. The most expensive bottle of wine ever sold was a Californian Cabernet Sauvignon that sold for $350,000. That's an investment in this couple's future of $264,950,000. What's Jesus saying? He goes, I can turn your ordinary into the kind of life where you can trust God that he can take care of your every need at every point. You stick those bottles of wine, you stick them in the cellar, and God says, you think you you can't do it because you're fearful? God says, I got you. You think you can't do it because you need the, you got a great call of God. God, I want to do something great for you. I haven't got the money right now. The opportunities aren't lining up. He says, I got you. I've got this challenge to step up and do something great at my work. I'm going to step into a, I've got got this business opportunity. God says, I got you. At every point, you say, I'm struggling in my, uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm fearful. I'm trying to raise kids in a world like this. And God says, I've got you. Wherever you go, God says, I've got you. Whatever you do, God says, I've got the resource for you. Can you trust him to fill your water pots and know that he will be the one that turns it into the best wine? Can we get up these guys and get this stuff cleared off?
yeah, if we can get the rest of the stuff off, that's going to be awesome. Thanks, Cam. They're running to the platform. Let's go. Grazie. Here's the second big thing. Not only does God say, I've got your back for the resource that you need. According to if you're going to actually fill your water pots. He doesn't work with nothing. Remember, he works with something. But he turns it into wine. And it shows us that he is the provider through every season. Here's the other thing. Is that we know that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he sat with his disciples and he broke bread and drank wine. And as he poured out the wine to the guys and he says, I want you to drink this, he says, this is my blood, which is an odd kind of twilight kind of concept. You're going to drink my what? But if you realize Jesus is saying, look, within 24 hours, I'm going to die. My blood's going to be spilt. And what it means is that this is not just to forgive the sins that have already been committed. This is not just to forgive the sins of the people in the room that are listening to this. This is to forgive the sins of people for millennia afterwards. The turning water into wine was a picture right back then at the start. Jesus' first miracle had a lot to do with his last miracle. Because the pouring out of his blood, which was the wine, says that everyone is forgiven forever. Will we be the ones that say, you know what? That wine that was poured out for this couple, the blood that was spilt by Jesus, still speaks an awesome word. That means that I can go to my family, to my friends, that I can be the ones, Jesus, you know what? I want people to know God. Will you use me? Will you use me to invite them? Will you use me to, to, to love them? Will you use me to connect them? Will you use me to be the one that shares the love of Jesus, the wine that was spilt, the wine that was multiplied for this couple is a picture of the blood of Jesus that was spilt for you and me. Why did he have his blood spilt? Well, it's because that he took the punishment for my sins and for yours. I never want to take that for granted. I never want to be the one that says, is this Christianity for me? No, it's, I never want to take it for granted that Jesus did that for me. And then can you imagine how many other people in our city need to know this? They need to know what this wine represents. They need to know the blood of Jesus represents that no matter what you've done and how many times you've done it, that Jesus loves and forgives if you just open your heart up. If you'll give Jesus the water pots of your heart, say fill it up with water he goes let's turn that into wine let's forgive all of your sins let's give you a brand new start you you don't deserve no one deserves but right now i want to give you the opportunity to open your heart up to that god who loves you how about you bow your heads and close your eyes jesus today i thank you that your love is massive it's beyond our ability to comprehend thank you that your blood was spilt that even to this couple you showed your belief in them through the multiplication of what they brought just water just water pots you gave them an amazing life you invested into their future and you do that for us but God the greatest investment was when you allowed your body to be broken your blood to be spilt you paid the ultimate price of dying on the cross 
that my sins could be forgiven, washed clean, and a brand new start.